excited, aren't we, that some are joining this particular fellowship, this little vineyard of Christ's one church throughout the world. Uh, and we're moved. And if you get near enough, you might even be moved wet. Uh, as some members have chosen to reaffirm their baptismal vows this morning as a, an act of personal renewal. So there's lots going on. And so I've got my best three hour and 20 minute sermon for you all. No, I promise it's a bit less than that. But I wanted to just quiet. <laughs> I, uh, I just wanted to, to th some thoughts on that Romans passage that was read earlier. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They're spectacular words. And I'm not going to refer again to the gospel, but effectively uh, they are words in Romans, probably written by Paul, which catch the sentiment of what Jesus is saying in the gospel reading that Steve just read for us. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord was the earliest creed of the Christian church. It's written on the walls of the earliest catacombs of Christians in Rome. It's scratched into the floor of caves thought to be early jails in Greece. And we today can easily underestimate what Jesus is Lord means. It, it trips off the tongue. But imagine being a slave in the days that the New Testament were being written and saying, Jesus is Lord, which puts everybody else in your life into second place, including your slave owner. That's a dangerous thing to say. Imagine being a soldier in the Roman army and saying, Jesus is Lord, which you know is understood and outlawed by the emperor and is punishable by death. Or imagine living in a country today. There are many in the world that's ruled by a different religion or a secular authority where to declare Jesus is Lord is outlawed, it's regarded as subversive, and it may well put your livelihood or prospects of promotion or the possibility of good schooling for your children or even your life at risk. So to declare Jesus is Lord in this land today is relatively easy. Some might think you're a bit odd, a bit of a religious nut or something, but you don't run the risk of a slave or a Roman soldier or a Christian today in Iran or Pakistan or Egypt or parts of China. What are we saying then when we say Jesus is Lord? We're effectively saying the creed, and we're going to say it later on. We're effectively saying that the one who came from God was born in human form and lived and taught and healed and was finally arrested and tried and crucified and who was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven and now lives forevermore 
is the most important person in life. That's what we're saying. Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth, we sing it. Not an ogre, but one that we love and serve and delight to please because they're worth it. To say Jesus is Lord and mean it really means then that Jesus is in charge. What he wants goes. If Jesus is Lord, then he's in charge of our minds and what we fill them with. He's in charge of our ethics and our value and our lifestyle and how we live out our lives. He's in charge of our careers and futures, our relationships and our loved ones. To declare Jesus is Lord is as if you've stuck a big spiritual badge on your chest for all to see in big writing and it says on, the, on it the property of Jesus Christ. So that what you are and who you are and what you were and, and have actually belongs to the Son of God. Jesus is Lord. And do you know, if you think this sounds repressive or restrictive, the people who actually manage to do that will tell you that it's actually perfect freedom. It's actually liberty. It's actually true delight. Because if everything you have is not ultimately yours, you'll be astonished how much you don't worry about it. So, says Paul, don't be a secret ashamed Christian. Declare Jesus is Lord with your mouth and live out his lordship through your life. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead. Do you know this is among the earliest beliefs of the Christian church? We shouldn't see this as the only thing to believe. Paul's not saying that. He's not saying, as long as you believe that Jesus was risen from the dead, I don't care whether you believe he was actually born or died on the cross. He's not saying that. What he probably means is this. That when Christians believe that Jesus Christ is alive, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today, it means that he is with us. That he's alive and not dead. Christianity, you see, isn't, isn't a faith based on some dead founder. A person who inspired many people hundreds of years ago and taught some great things. But he died and now he's remembered fondly as time goes by. It's not that. Romans wasn't written to a group of people in Rome and elsewhere, we think, about some kind of dead saviour somewhere. From the very beginning, Christians proclaimed that God raised Jesus from the dead, which means Jesus is alive, which means he is a living Lord. And if he's a living Lord, then he is someone who is with you and cares for you and loves you. So says Paul, 
The combination of confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead results in this astonishing statement, you will be saved. Now a problem with this passage is that we can interpret this to mean that that's all there is to salvation. It's easy to be saved. I wake up. Before I get out of bed, I say, Jesus is Lord with my mouth loudly, though there's no one else in the bedroom. And I say to myself, I do believe that Jesus raised, was raised from the dead by the power of God. And so I hop out of bed, have a shower, get dressed, job done, saved. That's it. I'll just now hunker down for the rest of the day, the rest of my life, confident that God loves me and I'm going to heaven when I die. This Christianity is easy. But I don't think Paul meant us to read these verses in such a superficial way. He wants his readers to know, because people are saying that these Roman Christians are ridiculous, they're being threatened they are under danger of persecution. He wants them to know that belief in Jesus is not a mistake. That Jesus does forgive sins and set people free like nobody else can and still does. That Jesus is right when he tells us that God loves us rather than hates us. That when we die, we will go to heaven where there is everlasting joy and peace. And that before we die, we must live as Jesus wants us to do. And that's still a challenge for us today. And that's anything but superficial. And then he concludes, you see, every, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The church in Rome wasn't perfect like big cities everywhere, there were rich and poor, there were elites and beggars, there was landed gentry and homeless people, heroes and villains, established figures and outcasts. And there was, like London and many other global cities today, many faiths and many gods, many shrines, places of worship. The rich had their gods, and they said, we can pay to come into this temple. You can't pay, so you can't come in. Those of a certain ethnicity thought themselves better than others in the Roman Empire. So they said, only true Romans can worship this particular shrine. You're not a true-blooded Roman. Your skin's the wrong color, therefore you can't worship. Some religions were only for men or some just for women. So what I'm trying to say, because this is a short sermon and I'm nearly at the end of it, is we just need to realize just how radical a statement everyone who calls on the name of the Lord really is. Because you're, if you're in a society that's ridden by class and riven by caste and color and tradition and language and gender, etc., 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 to say everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved is just mind-blowing. 
So what Paul is doing here is pointing out the entry requirements. Open to anybody. Anybody who declares with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he was surrounded by people who said to him, if you declare that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Yeah, and you've got to be rich too. No, that's not a condition, says Paul. And you've got to be a Roman true-born citizen. No, that's not a condition, says Paul. And you've got to be free. I mean, no slaves are allowed, surely. No, that's, that's not a condition, says Paul. Well, you've got to be male. No, you've got to be female. No, you've got to be straight or gay or sick or well or old or young or whatever inclusions or exclusions you want to bring. And Paul says, no, that's not a condition. You see, God doesn't save you because you're special or especially good. God doesn't receive any of us into the holy community of the church because we deserve it or because of how much we've got or because of where we were born. Salvation isn't rooted in what we're like. It's rooted in what God's like. And God says today, whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you come from, however young or old you are, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, which includes, of course, you. Believe it. And today witness it. And today be challenged by it. Amen. We sing, all my days I will sing this song of gladness. Stand together and sing.